Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Uh, brother, fantastic as usual. Um, just, you know, grinding, man. It's uh, that time of year. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's that spring grind. It's that, you know, getting ready for, for summer and, you know, where, you know, is it going to be, or shit, is shit going to be hitting hard? Is it going to be, you know, plateauing? You know, it's, it's that preparation time, you know, we're, we're into Q2. It's, uh, it's exciting. Dude, what is exciting today is this is our 99th episode. I love 99. Nine episodes, you know. Fuck. I can't believe it. So, um, 100, we got a, We have a great episode coming next week, a uh, celebratory episode. Uh, I'm really excited for, to drop on the 100, but let's, let's, let's hit today. Uh, we have an amazing guest. I'm really, really excited. Um, I, I stumbled across this, this cat oh, months ago. We actually chatted um, towards the end of 22 a little bit. Um, some doing some amazing stuff in a in a comparable a vertical it's 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 complementary it's like it's it's really interesting it's a merge of a couple different verticals that that we are involved in and without further ado i want to go ahead and introduce Yves Perez uh, of Work BNB thank you so much for joining us hey yeah thank you guys thank you it's a pleasure to be here <laughs> They talk talk to us about you know when we when we talk to guests we we talk about you know how they stumbled into the space and you and I have, have talked in the past a little bit and and I think and if I remember correctly like you stumbled into our industry via your mom correct yeah 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 I mean people who are familiar with me they've heard me tell this story like a million times but I had no ambitions of getting into this. <laughs> at all <laughs> no one does uh, man. Yeah, like yeah. like you're 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 not special like no one has any <laughs> everyone's story yeah no great it's crazy it's like um you know i didn't know anything about it you know my my mom uh, had a career in uh the, the corporate world of, of mortgage for years and then when the crash happened you know it it just kind of like shook up her her whole career path and uh, at that time, she wasn't aware of what was going on with her body, and uh, she uh, uh, ended up with double carpal tunnel, Ooh. and um, uh, she had to go through like surgery, and you know all this like pain, and uh, you know she uh, she got like a you know disability, um, and you know other payment. And she 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 didn't want to just like sit on a couch and just watch TV for the rest of her life. So uh, she she got into this, you know, business. And, um, uh, you know, what was so interesting to me about what what she was saying to me about it was that she was in the Airbnb business. Mm. And and when she when she, you know, said that. I was like, okay, Airbnb must be the greatest thing that was ever made, you know, because it's almost like the, the, if I'm, I'm a marketing guy and marketing people, we know this very well. When somebody makes name association to something that actually has a lot of competition, they did something really incredible. Um, right. So think of like the Kleenex example, you know, when people ask, can you hand me a Kleenex? Well, actually I'm handing you a face tissue. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's what I call the Xerox effects. Right. Right. Like, right. Right. Exactly. They came in from a marketing standpoint and took. Boom. Over. Yeah. Boom. Right. Yeah. And we've seen it with Nike. We've seen it with a lot of brands. Coke. And I'm, I'm a branding guy. So yeah. uh, when when she brought me in, you know, I was looking at things, you know, from a totally different lens. And the way she brought me in was just so funny. I mean, she. She was in a region of the country that was experiencing relocation, corporate relocation. And this so, is Reno, correct? Right, right. Reno, Nevada. So 
it's very close to San Francisco. And if you remember in 2019, there were so many companies that were leaving the Bay Area because of home prices being mm-hmm. too high. And uh, once that market broke, there were three big relocation markets. It was Nevada, Texas, and Florida. And that's where the majority of companies were moving. So her, as a, as a small you know, uh, uh, rental operator, only a few units. I think she had three units at the time. She was housing some workers. She didn't know it. But they told their boss how great of a host she was. And the boss of this company that was relocating called her up and said, I would like to pay you to set up housing for us because we're not finding good corporate housing in Reno. So uh, when she got the contract and she got, you know, paid, you know, she ends up calling me up. I'm in San Diego and she says, Yves, I bought you a plane ticket. You're coming to Reno tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? You know, and I just figured if I'm ever going to get invited to Thanksgiving ever again, I better get on this plane. So, no, so where were you when she pulled I was, you? I was in Southern California. Okay. Is that where you you're know, from originally? Because we definitely uh, want to get that part in there. Well, you know, I was born and raised in Sacramento and I lived, we lived in Sacramento for a long time. And my mom moved us up to Reno my senior year of high school. That's the worst time to move, you oh, know, going sure. to a, a brand new school. And, uh, and I didn't like it. I didn't like living in Reno. There was nothing like about it that I enjoyed because I'm a city guy. Yeah. And it's more of like an outdoorsy kind of like person's place. Yeah. So I wanted to be in Southern California when I got out of high school. And that's what I did. So I, t- I used to tell all of my friends, I am never going to leave San Diego. Never. <laughs> I love it. I love it too much. Yeah. But then when your mama calls, it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to you know, help support her dreams? And, you know, I come up in an era where, you know, a lot of kids, you know, wanted to be athletes so that they could buy their mama house, right? Or they could, you know, help their mom start a business. So, you know, I just was never that athlete. I was more of a brainy kid. And that's where I was like, okay, well, I can use my skills to help grow her business. And that's what I did. No, I'd love to hear that. That's dope. The, uh, <laughs> so so you, you went to Reno, you're helping your moms. You're doing this thing, but but when did it it click to you? All right, I'm helping my mom with this thing. That's that's that is this, right. but but it but it wasn't work BNB. It was like this no. is a grander, you know, a bigger vision, and it's yeah. you know, it's it's looking at you know. And what was it? What was the thing that that made you go? Oh fuck! Like we really got something here, or I really yeah. got something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so. That's where like the marketing skill set comes in. The marketing skill set, um, you know, teaches you to understand your clients and understand your customers and do uh, market research. And one of the things that she asked me to do, she said, hey, I want to get more bookings like this. Can you help me figure that out? And so one of the things that you try to do is you, you try to look at uh, as much previous data as possible to help understand that market. And Airbnb provides you nothing, like nothing. (laughs) You have no, like no idea why they're traveling or, you know, if they, if they're traveling for work, what kind of job they have, like, you just don't understand that at all. So what I did was I looked at her, her previous bookings for like two years. And one thing that I, I barely could extract was like a good phone number or a good email. And what I did was I, I called everybody, but I had a set of questions. And the way that they would answer the question, I was able to drop them in a different bucket. And what I started to recognize was my first hunch. There was like this unique pattern in trip length. And once I started to see the different buckets that I could create, I just put each person that I contacted into a bucket. And then... What I did was I had subsections, like I would ask them, what were you traveling for? Like, what kind of job are you in? Uh, what, it, what industry is this? You know, and again, I would segment more buckets. And um, it was something that I learned uh, uh, listening to a TED talk, actually. And this, this uh, TED speaker, 
uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, he's the author of like Outlier and, you know, other, you know, phenomenal books. He talked about uh, horizontal segmentation. And once I kind of figured out that there was like this, this wide kind of like range of traveler, one of the things that I hyper-focused on was what kind of like materials were they reading? What kind of keywords were in those materials? And one of what I discovered <laughs> was that uh, there was this keyword that was called workforce housing. And workforce housing really does get confused in a couple of different ways. A lot of uh, politicians like to call it affordable housing, but industry analysts like to call it housing for workforce, for, for people that are doing hard laborious jobs or dangerous jobs or jobs that, you know, maintain our society, uh, like a policeman and, you know, firefighters and stuff like that, right? But again, I'm, I'm looking at it at the lens of like, there's this traveling workforce. And after compiling that data, that's where the next hunch came in, was that I looked up my, again, my mom's data and 65% of her previous bookings were workforce related. And I was like, wow, okay. So she's using this language though, that's called vacation rental on her website. And she's using a platform that's made for uh, vacation rentals, Airbnb. And I said, well, mom, if you want more of these bookings, we need to call these something else. And that's where I came up with this term workforce rental. And that's where I really feel like my greatest work has been thus far is like a subsector and wanting to pioneer that in a way that the, those workers would look for that term, understand that this subsector is for them. And right. once we made that little pivot, that's where the phone started ringing like crazy. Because well, I mean, that I, I was like, let's try it. Let's see if it's going to work. It makes and, total sense, man. Because yeah. like I, so I used to run, uh, I'm prior military and I used to run heavy equipment. I mean, this is back in the day, right? And when I ran heavy equipment, when I got out of the military, um, I was opening and closing deep mines um, in Western PA. Um, so I was running dozers and excavators and, and right. all this. And we travel to a different, you know, a, to a different state or different, you know, different, you know, two or three hours away. And sometimes I stay in, in like a no-tell motel uh, right. for like, you know, three weeks. Because that it was a affordable, like normally, like I'd have a per diem and I, I'd be able to get some for like a hundred dollars a night or less, but that included some food. And, right. and so the cheapest way to do it was just get that no tell motel and then you have a little bit more money for beer. Right. 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 Um, but I totally like it was shit. And then and I, it was now, shit. It was a shit experience. Yeah. It was a shit experience. <laughs> and then, and then if I put myself in like a supervisor role, right. That, that who's in charge of me. And I wasn't a supervisor. I was just a you know lowly worker at that point. But I put myself like that would suck, man. I've yeah. been I've been grinding for thirty years for you know Acme Construction Company, you know whatever. And you're still putting me up at the same place at the same standards as you're putting up you know lowly entry level construction worker. Um, but yet you expect me to go ahead and run a whole job site, but you know you're treating me like shit. That's hard, man. Like, I yeah. Guess. And, and that's, that's like, the, that's the product that you're talking about, right? Where you stay in relationship to Airbnb. Cause people ask me this all the time. I have investors that ask me this all the time. Well, I, you know, whatever happened to Airbnb for work? And I said, well, that product sucked. It just sucked because, you know, they took something that they weren't good at and that they didn't really put a lot of work into. And what they did was they just kind of like, you know, made the same user journey that they did for the vacation rental side. And it's a completely different side. And going back to like that supervisory role, uh, you know, construction workers, for example, they're just like doing these huge product projects. And what they, what they hated about the experience and, and most the experience of booking platforms is that it's the same user journey. It's like, you have to go onto a search bar and you have to put in like this amount of time that you want it for the product. And we all know that they charge like a very high percentage, 
you know, no matter how long they stay. So if they're looking to book for nine months, they're paying 14% for a nine month stay. That's crazy. So, so they hate that experience. And then it, what makes it even more challenging is if you're trying to book for a large crew of guys, 10 guys, 20 guys, 30 guys, you have to do one search at a time, one booking at a time, 30 times. And it's crazy, you know? So those were all the little hunches that were starting to come up once I started to understand workforce. I started to really like ask more scientific questions to build a product. And, um, but the, but the, the one that just blew my socks off though, <laughs> I mean, just like smacked me in the face was uh, uh, a, a large industrial general contractor named Ames Construction. Mm-hmm. And when we started to understand the numbers that they move and the, the durations that they move, that just like blew open the idea that it's like, yo, like this isn't just a Reno thing. This is like an everywhere thing. And uh, that, that changed my life forever, bro. <laughs> But how do you not get overwhelmed, right? Because it, it, there's such differences in every sector, right? Like, and right. I'm sitting up here, I'm thinking construction, I'm thinking oil and gas, I'm thinking right. like all of the, and each one of them have their own unique traveling schedule needs, like right. timeline, right? Like, like the stay, like in, you know, if you're, you got teams that are moving pipes, you know, logistics is a whole nother portion, right? Like travel. Right have to take right. things from right. A to B on these huge trucks from, you know, that take weeks at a time, but also like here in Atlanta, like you got entire production companies that are here, like staying, you know, from not just the talent, it's everything behind it. Right. Like these are all workforce, right. issues, but they all intersect. And I think like, even here in Atlanta, like, you know, they, they do stay in short-term rentals, right? More than they do hotels, like especially the production crews, right? Like, right. So I think it's a little bit different for the actors depending on how long they're there, right? But right, that's a deep cliff, man. Like, that's a lot. It is a lot, and, and you know, here's the thing: I I knew this was gonna change my life. Yeah. Getting into this, I I said to myself, I'm gonna start a tech company, and I'm gonna figure this out. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we started the company April, 2021. So, you know, we're coming up on two years in a few, you know, days. And that's, that's how much time we've dedicated to really like understanding the differences because, uh, you know, take like the, just the field of construction. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have large industrial general contractors that are, you know, considered like large cap companies. Then you have, you know, uh, general contractors that still do very large projects, you know, but those would be considered mid cap companies. And then you have like smaller, you know, home builder type companies, you have subcontractors, and then you also have um, what I call disaster relief or restoration type contractors. You know what I mean? And you have to understand all the patterns of of the travel and but not only that i thought was that's what i thought was interesting from a technology perspective from a technology perspective you don't understand anything if you give them a search bar so uh there's this very famous tech investor his name is peter teal and i read his book it's called zero to one Mm -hmm. and if for those of you that don't know who peter teal is peter is a very famous uh uh Silicon Valley VC, you know, he invested in Facebook. So if you ever saw the Facebook movie, you know, he was the investor that came in at the end and wrote a check. And um, in his book, Zero One, he talks about the contrarian truth that the next generation of innovation is nothing like its predecessors, like nothing like it. And I said to myself, okay, you know, for us to really like approach this thing, we have to basically blow up what we know travel products to be. And that started with us killing the search bar. We literally said no search, bar. like that's, that's where the problem starts. 
we're going to invent something else. And what we invented was a, a pretty much like a, a product that collects the project data. And we understand deeply the project that they're trying to accomplish. So we give them the ability to uh, start there and uh, uh, basically upload their project data, upload their project schedules, upload you know as much information as possible. Mm. And basically we would be able to compute not only the size of a footprint of housing that they would you know, need, but we would also give the marketplace the ability to set up units if they weren't available. And there's no product that's ever done that before. And you answered you know? my question before I even had a chance to ask, <laughs> which is great. Like, so my question was, okay, we got, we have short-term rentals, we got vacation rentals. We have corporate housing. We know we have some amazing colleagues and friends that absolutely freaking crush in corporate housing, right? They're, yes. they, but they, they do it differently. Like corporate housing world is like, you're reaching out to a company and you're saying, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so for this many people. Can you go ahead and houses? And, but you, and so my question was like, you know, they're already kind of doing this. How are, how are you differentiating? Well, this is, it's a huge differentiator right here. You know, you're right, coming right. in. You're, you're putting in project data, no search bar, and and then you're calculating and spinning up results based on, you know, future, based right. on you know what is going to happen in the future. And I, I, I can see how this is going to work. Um, yes. I'm, I'm excited for possibilities. You know, how did you go ahead? You know, I, I see you're a part of Techstars 22. And, you know, I, I want to yeah. kind of talk about that. I want to talk about you know, fundraising. I want to talk about as a black entrepreneur, you know, what did you go, like, what were you up against with funding? Because I know yeah, talk, let's talk about, about raising money. money. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 seriously. Cause it's, it's, it is, you know, John, I want to this. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what yeah, like, I'm here for it. Let, yeah. let, let's talk about it because about I know money. your, your path was not a smooth path to get funding. No, well, and even before we get into that part, let's talk about like at the time in which he's created a company and raising money, right? Like where there's a lot of lip service, there's a lot of, oh, we want to support diverse founders and founders of color and all this, like, right. You know, That's a lot all of lip service. around, a lot of, a lot of, you know, hey, I'm here to help. Hey, we want to, we want to see, you know, we want to see this happen. Yeah. Yo, it's 2023 and like, we got a yeah. founder on the line. But, you know, we have people out here that are raising money and know what it's like out here. And, you know, to be doing this right now, it's, yeah, I'm all yeah, for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, guys. So, yeah, let me let me tell you my experience, okay? So, so my experience was a kick in the fucking stomach. It was a kick in the stomach. It was like, hey, you know, we want diverse tech founders uh, because Reno wanted to come up as a, as a tech ecosystem. Yep. Uh, it was experiencing companies coming from Silicon Valley and the city itself was kind of like under this fairy tale, like, oh, we could become the next dot, dot, dot. Right. And there's a lot of cities, too, right? Like, right. A lot of cities Why around the we? country. Yeah. A lot of cities around the country are trying to do that because they they want like the job economy. You, you know what I mean? The, the yeah. great tech jobs that pay very well and they boost the economy diversify the economy all that type of stuff so uh but but what was so interesting and i joke about this all the time with my friends is that um if i was a white dude i would have been able to write this business on a paper napkin and get a check yep instantly like if i was a if i was a single white man now now let me add to that if i was a white dude that went to stanford Yo, <laughs> wait a minute. I mean, let me, that's, and then let me add another it, pedigree. Let it, me just add one more. If I was a white dude that went to Stanford, but I was ex Uber or ex Google, yo, this thing would be all over the world. It would be crazy. So, so for me, Stanford network is mean. Right. I, 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 oh, that's Stanford network. Right. Right. But, but I got to tell you, yeah. Uh, when you have, no tech pedigree, 
and you have uh, no 10x founder, 10x founder, 14 founder, you know, six successful exits, all that type of stuff. Yo, tech is mean as fuck. Like they're not about innovation. They're about, you know, supporting a existing network and, you know, following a blueprint of founders and betting on those founders. And when you look at the numbers of entrepreneurs that are getting funded, yo, black founders are at the absolute bottom because we don't have that pedigree, you know? And yeah, and ask then, about their friends and family network. Start at the beginning. Right. right? Start like, there. Right. If you have the ability to raise fifty to a hundred thousand dollars from your family, yo, investors are looking at that yeah. and saying, okay, you know what? They have a network, they have a support. Cool. Uh having great credit is also another check plus, you know. So if you have like these things that are up against you, like myself. You know, but even going on by beyond me, you know, looking at like black and Latino ex women, yo, that's a double minority. <laughs> it's like it's crushing these numbers. And, and when you go into this, you know, you start to see a pattern. And the biggest pattern for me out of Reno, how I knew I was overlooked was that nobody was willing to help me build this company. Yeah. Everybody said, oh, this is a cool idea and uh, good luck with that. And yeah. from the time that I started the company to the time I decided to leave Reno, I only had uh, two introductions made for me. Mm -hmm. um, and those introductions were, you know, meant to kind of like help me build the business, right? Hey, I have this, you know, this network that I want to make an introduction for you to help you build your business, only two introductions. So, so, uh, so what most tech entrepreneurs do is we start to look for accelerator programs that can, you know, in the name accelerators, right? And, uh, I applied for a, uh, Nevada based, uh, accelerator program and, uh, what I, I noticed about them early, and this was a big risk, was that they were like printing the same founder. It was like white male founders coming out of this accelerator program. And I was like, well, I can't judge how many, you know, black or brown or Asian or female entrepreneurs that have gone through this program because I'm just learning about it. But I can see that nobody's coming out of the program. So I'm going to take a risk. Let me see if I could be the first one to be, you know, printed out of this thing. And uh, I went and it was eight weeks of Zoom calls and pitch practice and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, what's crazy is that you have to have traction. You have to have customers and all this type of stuff. And I was like, OK, you know, this is cool because I had that. And I already started to make some early revenue before we even built the product. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, okay, this is cool. But when they turned me down, I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, you know, like they chose a water bottle company over me. Like they chose like, you know, <laughs> like how many right. water bottles are there? You know, like, you know, it's crazy. And, uh, and, and what's so interesting is that you can look at like the top uh, accelerator in the world, YC. Everybody's heard of Y Combinator. Yeah. Yep. Airbnb went through Y Combinator. Yep. Just even their, in their most recent cohort, more than half of the companies accepted did not have uh, revenue models, nor did they have uh, uh, um, uh, any clients. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's just like they came in with an idea and I was like, see, that's that white privilege shit that I could come in on a paper napkin and I can get YC to drop me a check. You know, it's crazy how easy, you know, this is for them. And for me, I got turned down by a no nothing accelerator. So, uh, so, but I mean, what do you think it is? Like, like, let, let, let's pause on this for a second. Like, like, yeah. I'm thinking, I think. And, and Teo and I have talked about this a lot, right? But, you know, what it is, and, and it's wrong, but what it is, 
is that you don't look and act nope. and project and do the same things that the, that the, the, the guys, and I'll use guys with air quotes if you're looking at me, that have the money, like you don't, you don't fit their mold. Right. So therefore, they are, they, they'll say to your face, it's something else. But right. in truth, they're uncomfortable around you. Right, right, right. It's it, they're not comfortable, and and if they can't, you you, you, you can't. can't have, like, but we have to yeah. balance. We don't come from a. We don't because we don't come from a culture of wealth in the, in their eyes. Not saying that there's not wealth there. I'm saying in their eyes, we don't come from a bankable culture. Right, like that's. What I really I, I don't I don't think it's always just necessary. Let like let, let me clarify a few things that that a lot of people don't understand about tech. There's there's some different camps in tech. There, there are some people that don't have like, you know, really great pedigrees. Like they don't come from like wealthy families, but they're hackers. You know, they're like true tech geniuses that can hack into like a government, you know, <laughs> system. Right. So, so there are some like really like engineering type geniuses out there. Like, you know, look at Zuckerberg, right? Like he was like a nobody that just came in and he had that hacker culture in him that, you know, really kind of like, you know, spun out some, you know, like an anomaly, right? I mean, the same thing for Jobs and Gates, right? Yeah, yeah, but, and, right. And, but if he was, they it's were sucked. out of the garage, right? Like not, right, right. Know, but if, if the want their degrees and things like that, they didn't even finish. If he yeah. was black though, is Zuckerberg was black. Would he, he would be, unna- he would be unknown and unnamed and whoever he sold right. that platform to would have gotten the success. Like, that's right, like- right, right. And, and, and I, I do feel that the, the, uh, the experience though, uh, is a little bit different for black hackers that because, because, uh, you can, um, still be like well-received, especially like even in Indian culture, right? Uh, you look at a lot of engineers, they're Indian, right? They, if you have, if you have that engineering experience, I believe you can still elevate. You may not get to like, you know, the biggest level, the biggest stage, but I do know for a fact, and I've heard this from a white founder, tech founder, we were on a, on a Twitter chat talking about this, uh, or Twitter space. And he said, um, you know, I made sure that I hired <laughs> the geekiest looking, you know, uh, Indian and uh, uh, people on my team so that I could get a check. You know, they just didn't look into their backgrounds. You know, they didn't care. They, they, were, they were just interested that they were just from India. Boxes. Yeah. Right. right. And it's like lick and boxes, stick kind of shit. Right. Those boxes are preset. So when you're like someone like me that, you know, proved something hard to do, which is called product market fit, mm-hmm. that this thing that you're building fits the market, you know, if you don't check all those boxes, they're just like, well, cool idea, bro. Uh, let me know when it when it's bigger. It's let me know when it's it. when it's yeah. when it's the. So what they so what they'll let you do is they'll let you starve. They'll let you take something that's real and you will you are at risk of starving. And so so what we have to do is something called bootstrapping. <laughs> and we got to figure it out. And it was that that experience that you know really opened up my eyes of like how hard it is to be a underrepresented founder because uh, you just don't have time to make excuses now. You, you have no time to say, okay, well, they're not funding me. Let me figure out how I can get funded, right? And one of the things that I figured out that I tapped into was that um, my clients were willing to write me a check. So let me talk about that from two spaces. So, so uh, my very first client, a client was Ames Construction out of out of Reno. We we housed their workers, and we did a booking for two and a half years for them. And that taught us a lot about like the size and duration of bookings. Yeah. And um, and I said to myself, okay, 
let me learn how to raise money from the marketplace. And Techstars taught me that. When I went to Techstars, I didn't know anything about raising capital. Mm-hmm. All I knew was that nobody wanted to write a check. Right. And, and what they did was they flipped uh, my knowledge base. They gave me this huge knowledge transfer of angel investing and impact investing. And these two investment strategies were just perfect for me. So angel investing is like the small check writer, the people that just believe in the founder, not the business. They right. believe in the founder. And once I found those type of investors, all I had to really do was tell a better story. So here's my story, helping my mom, figuring out this market. Here's this road, this pathway to a product. Here's what the product innovation is. Here's our go-to market strategy. Here are our projections. And I'm the founder to get it done. And once I was able to tell that story in an impactful way, angel investors started to cut checks. And uh, I went to Ames Construction, my, my, my contact at Ames Construction, and I asked him to invest and he cut a check. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is different. Like, this is crazy. Like, I'm not having, you know, these, these disappointing conversations with investors anymore. Now, investors are buying into me. And that fills my heart, like, every single day. And then also... There's the real estate side, right? And I, I did the same thing with them. I would have these, these, uh, these pitches and these, um, uh, these conversations uh, with them. And I would tell them, you know, this is a perfect opportunity for you to get paid twice, where you can earn from bookings and then you earn from our valuation going up. How does that sound? And I started to collect checks. <laughs> And, and, uh, and that really just like changed the trajectory for me because now I'm not begging. I'm not putting myself in a position where I have to do uh, code switching. I don't know if y'all, you know, you know, no, not that, but code switching, you know, like I can wear my chain. I can wear my glasses. I can wear my Jordans. I can be authentically me and I don't have to change up for nothing. Nobody. I get to just be myself. And that's the ride that I'm enjoying right now is uh, that type of, of, of investment um, I'm, I'm really enjoying. Now, my next one is impact investing. Impact investing is an investment strategy that specifically focuses on underrepresented founders as its primary in, uh, investment objective and they're looking for the best businesses from this group. Yep. And, and one of the things that they're looking for is great founders and a great business. So they analyze both really well. And, and what they do is, is they have one big objective, is that is this underrepresented founder making society better? Okay. So, so let me just differentiate that. Uh, you can't be an underrepresented founder that's just selling a very expensive product to just you know rich white people. Okay, it, that right. doesn't qualify as impact investing. It's got to like help underrepresented users. And what I was making the argument to an impact investor was that a lot of the majority of these workers are black and brown, mm-hmm. Asian, yep. Indian, a lot of them. And here are the numbers. And once they said, okay, well, you're improving their lives by getting them out of motels and hotels for months and getting them into rentals, you know, yes, you are making an impact on society. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, in impact funds are taking a hard look at work BNB. And, you know, you know, those type of funds write two to $5 million checks. Right. So, the the future the future is bright for us, uh, and I'm looking to be the next Black Steve Jobs. I want to take this thing IPO, and I want to kick ass and take names. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So so, let's talk about where you are today. 
in like yeah. how and how potentially our audience, you know, that is listening, a can get involved or, or, you know, well, first of all, can, is, is this public? Like, can we, can we go and like, if I'm a construction company, can I go to work B and B and, and utilize your, your, your proprietary search functionality, which isn't a search bar and yeah. books shit. Yeah. So, okay. So the answer is not yet. Okay. So in technology, there's this, this uh, concept called an alpha test. Okay. And alpha yeah, testing. We're all in tech here. So we, we, yeah. we got your alpha we, and then. You got I, your I, yeah, I just, I was just meaning for like the, the audience. Alpha, let me, let, you know, alpha testing is just this, this way of proving your product is um, algorithmically viable. Okay. That it can follow a certain process and pattern every single time. Right. Now, there are different like branch out points where you can go this way or that way and do things, you know, in a different manner, such as I was explaining earlier, uh, that we give the client the ability to put out what we call like a bid search. It's like, hey, I need housing in this area and I can't find it. Here's a bid. Will anybody respond to my bid and set up this housing for me? Right. Like that's a different branch out pattern that most booking platforms don't achieve. So, so as we as we roll this out, what we're doing is we're doing early testing, and we have a very select group of companies, and these are pretty large companies that uh, we're working with to prove this out because we do know that plan construction is different than emergency re uh, response. So if you guys remember like the, uh, the uh, incident in uh, Florida where that condo building collapsed, right? Yeah. Uh, most people don't know is that the workers, the frontline workers that were sent in to rescue people, they had no place to stay. All of the vacation rentals were booked. All of the, the, uh, the uh, hotels and motels were booked. It was the height of vacation season. And those workers had to sleep on the streets in tents. For, for several nights, like I think it was like eight, eight nights. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so, so again, we're, we're looking at these travel patterns and we're saying, how can we solve this? How can we do this? And that testing gives us the ability to get it right so that this summer, when we put the app up on the app store and we get hit with demand, we know how this is going to work as much as possible because what's true about the b2b space is not it's it's a little bit different in b2c but in the b2b space that we're in it's not a forgiving space once they have a bad experience from a black entrepreneur <laughs> they're not going to give me those it's so so, so yeah, no, it, and that makes sense. So, so you're shooting for yeah. your your MVP in the app to come out then in in summer. Then is that kind of where? Yeah, you're yeah, right yeah. And what and what we're what we're shooting for is what we call the work and be wow experience. That it's the best travel experience that this particular underserved niche has ever seen. That they're going to have, you know, not only the benefit of more time because we were able to get the results fast and we were able to do uh, something incredible. Uh, but we're also just testing one big feature out, which is called like bulk booking. Uh, so again, going back to how we collect that data and let's say, you know, you have a very large crew going out for the project. Let's say it's 30 people, right? We have this drag and drop feature that we're testing out every day, different scenarios where we drop like workers into apartments and then we drop them into single family homes. So it's like this drag and drop tool and you can drag and drop the worker into like a, a four bedroom house and, and you can choose which bedroom they're going to be in. And you can drop all these properties into a shopping cart and purchase them all at one time. That's like incredible. You know, and again, testing that is really challenging because you're basically lumping properties into one big 
bulk purchase. Mm-hmm. And then the payouts have to be clean, right? Yeah, your, your, so, your accounting is, is uh, as a right. nightmare. So, so, nightmare. so, so testing this out is just this methodical thing that we're chasing because if we come out with the best experience possible, it's going to be hard. It, they call it a moat in technology. You're, you're making it hard for the big competitors to want to even chase you because it's like, yo, they're doing it so well. We should probably just buy them out. And right. I'm going to tell them no because I want to take an IPO. So that's, that's like the, the fun part about where we are right now is that, you know, we've been doing a lot of test bookings. But I will tell you one thing that is just like, again, what's going to put me on the map as a blank entrepreneur is that I also went outside of my alpha test and I chose specific deals to go after. And one of them here in Vegas, that's why I'm in Vegas, is Formula One. Formula One made this huge announcement that they're relocating to uh, corporate headquarters to Vegas and they're committing to a 10-year race down the strip. And I said to myself, oh my God, this is a huge opportunity for me to chase two verticals, corporate relocation and workforce. And I said, okay. And it's it's a global brand. So I said to myself, I'm going to go after this one deal and I'm going to chase after those bookings. And that's a a current negotiation that I'm on. I'm working with the contractor right now and Formula One to get that deal. It's going to generate me 2.2 million in revenue. That's our early estimate. So I said to myself, okay, I get to put big numbers up on the board, a big Logo up on the board, big brand logo. You know, it would be a 10-year commitment. Um, and I'm doing it all at a pre-seed stage. And for anybody who passed up on work BNB, I'm going to make them regret it. And that's my attitude when I come to you. Do you think that, real quick, but I love this attitude, but do you think that by by focusing on, hey, this is a practice we do, but also going after, you, you know, the this large corporate logo brand, you know, looking at, you know, you know, uh, Formula One, do you think that that is diluting your focus or do you think it's just necessary? It's necessary because, again, I'm coming from this from the Black experience that if I don't do this, I'm going to grow slower. I'm not going to attract more investors if I keep up like this slow, you know, working out this test. You know, I'm doing the test for them, but the investor is impressed by revenue and how fast that revenue can come in. So I'm doing like two really difficult things, but it's it's something that I have to do because I'm not white. If I was white, I could do one thing and I'm good. You know what I mean? And I would I would be getting checks on just my tests. But um but, you- but, but 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 here's here's like the end game. Here's the end goal for me. The end thing is that if I am successful at both, that means that I'm a great bet to these investors, that this guy is super talented. He was able to innovate and execute. He was able to test and generate revenue. And generating revenue before your product launches is crazy hard. And I don't recommend it for most people. I don't, I don't want you know, people to have the illusion that you should jump in and do this the same way because, you know, it can really like break your skull and your spirit when you hit a bump. And I've hit several bumps and just picked myself up and kept going. But, you know, I am trying to accomplish a major task, which is uh, housing these workers, getting great feedback from them, showing those investors that passed on me that that I can do this thing. And my next investors, um, they want to ride with me forever and they'll give me more money when I ask for it. How I love it. I love it, love it. How and you know, I I I can, you know, speak that, you know, I, I think your your business model is fantastic. I'm I'm really we're really excited about to see where this is going. Like I'm super stoked <laughs> for you. 
I think that you you have a great mindset on on how how and what needs to to come out of this to to be successful. How do our listeners, if they want to get involved with either investment or if they want to get involved with the ability to go ahead and partner with you with housing, how do they go ahead and do that? Yeah, so so let me, let me tell you how that's working right now. So um, we're doing something completely unique uh, as far as like getting people in on our on our testing. Okay, so uh, if they're in in markets that we really need inventory to test, such as like Nevada, Texas, and Florida, we we've, we've been taking up uh, early signups, and we were allowing people into what we call the alpha team. And the alpha team is just a representative of folks that have been working with me since day one. And uh, they were just some of my earliest signups. And uh, this, this group has been very close to me. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we were really writing for each other in this, in this, in this early stage. And um, that way of signing up is through our website. Um, now, now, I will say this. Uh, when I was at Techstars, I told them about a problem that I had. I said, I said, hey, Techstars mentors, uh, I'm having this issue where people are asking me for support uh, or no, they're, they're asking me, how can I support you? And, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm conflicted because it's like I'm in this testing phase. And they said, well, let, let's, let's talk to this group a little bit more. And that was one of the things that I did right was that I started a Facebook group called Work Being the App Coalition, and it was just a free Facebook group. Uh, but it was my early uh, testing group where I could talk to these hosts daily, and I can ask them questions. And we talked to them, and we said, um, "We're building this tech company, and we have to achieve something called monthly reoccurring revenue. That's what investors really like right now." Um, and the way that we want to test this is a, instead of a uh, service fee, like 3% of each booking, we're going to come out with a subscription fee of $9.95 a month. And we want to test this out. And uh, we said we would like you know, people to sign up as, as, a, as an early subscriber to help us with our MRR. and. Um, it was a way for people to support us without having to invest, okay? And uh, people signed up, and we, and we called it a pre-subscription. But it, in, a, in, the, in, a, in a more technical format, it was almost like getting a number at the DMV. It was like, hey, here's your number. We're going to onboard you when we're ready for your property. And, and we had people sign up. And that was like an amazing thing because what it did was it showed our investors like, hey, there is very strong demand for this. People were willing to pay $9.95 just to wait in line to get on. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that really like changed the minds of tons of investors. They were like, oh my gosh, like you were able to do what? So so that was, it shows that was, proof of concept, right? It shows, right. It shows that it they're, shows, they're excited about what, with what right. you're doing and they're, and they're waiting. Product market fit is the, really defined as people willing to pay money for something they, that they know is going to work for them. And that's how people can support us today is to sign up for the pre-subscription. Now, again, if your property is in a certain market, we're going to onboard you a little bit faster and we're going to test you out a little bit more. But I have this like this one construction company called Clayco Construction. It's out of Chicago, uh, twenty eight hundred employees that travel on a regular basis, and you know they called us up and said we want to alpha test you in forty states. Yo, I almost fucking break. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and it was because the demand was so crushing for them. Because guess what, guys. The U.S. government passed a $1.3 trillion Infrastructure Investment Act that's causing construction workers to travel over the next 10 years. Yeah. So, you know. It's a long-term you know, play. It's, it, it's, it's, it's like a this in tech. It's like, yo, you have a runway. And you have a runway on demand. So I'm going to be out of property deficit 
realistically for the next two years, I'm not going to have enough rentals. Even if like a couple of, you know, 100,000 people signed up, I would still not have enough inventory. So, uh, you know, we're going to be calling upon these more professional hosts to actually fly into different cities and set up rentals based on the demand. Right. Um, but, you know, there's 85 airport terminals that are, that are going under construction this year. There's freeways, bridges, highways, uh, uh, dams, uh, power infrastructure, water infrastructure that's all going under construction right now. Like it's breaking ground at this crazy yeah. rate. And then you have these big companies like Tesla that keep growing fast, opening up new mega uh, gigafactories. Yo, there's a, a, a chip factory that Intel is building out in Ohio. It's going to take like seven years and 7,000 construction workers to build. Insane. <laughs> and it's out in the middle of nowhere. Like, right. how are you going to house all these workers, yo? Oh, they are so, the Amish, the Amish like, like housing. Yeah, bro. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, even out here in Vegas, you know, I, you know, I talk about like formula one, but there's 18 billion construction, $18 billion worth of construction on the books right now in Vegas. Yeah. And there are 10,000 illegal short-term rentals under the, under the, their new uh, regulation that they just passed. Mm-hmm. And there's havoc in the marketplace because it's a lottery system and nobody knows when they're going to get their permit and they're getting these fine notices on the door. So all I do is I say, hey, the regulation is 31 days or less. If you go 31 days or longer, you're out of, right. you're out of, you're in the clear. Right. So give me all your properties. Right. And that's where I'm kicking ass right now is, is in markets that have these short-term rental regulations that are passing, New York, Philly, Atlanta, Vegas, Palm Springs. But then you also have these other markets that have too much saturation, like Houston. You know, Houston is just oversaturated. But guess what? Kiwit Construction is about to build a high-speed rail project from Dallas, Fort Worth to Houston, <laughs> and they need to house 300-something workers, yo. So the time of workforce rentals, I call it the rise of workforce rentals, is, is coming up. And I, I, I also want to say that how people can help is change your vernacular if you want to come into this world. You know, one day we're going to have workforce rental uh, conferences. You know, it's going to be a different flavor and there's going to be different metrics and there's going to be different ideas and different tools. So call it what it is. Workforce rentals. I want to get into workforce rentals. I have a workforce rental. And eventually my my goal is to make work BNB a brand name because guess what? Construction is forever and construction is in every country around the world. So we have just as much scalability as Airbnb. Love it. If not more. Yves, thank you so much for joining today. We appreciate you. This has been a great podcast. Uh, I learned a ton. Um, if you guys are interested in uh, learning more about Work BNB, check out the website that's linked at the at the bottom or on our website. And uh, you know, hit him up if you are. You know, we'll also go ahead and put his LinkedIn profile link there, so you can go ahead and, and hit Yves up that way. Um, if you're looking to invest, hit him up. Hit me uh, up. Just hit me up. You can hit me up on Twitter. Uh, Work BNB CEO. Uh, you know, I have people hit me up on LinkedIn all the time. You know, angel investors. I'm entertaining a lot of angel investors right now. So, you know, just hit me up and we'll vet you out and, you know, we'll make you a comfortable spot where you get to be an early believer, because if you really believe that we can take this IPO, you want to be a part of that ride. Thanks again, man. Appreciate you. (laughs) All right, guys.
This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.